Hello and welcome to livealittlehigher.com. Besrat Hashem, this Thursday night, the 25th of Kislev, we will be celebrating Hanukkah. Hanukkah, the, the holiday of light, the holiday of miracles, in which we transform darkness into light. Uh, this happened in the times of the Second Temple, and we still recount this story every year. Uh, it's more, it says that when Mashiach comes, we're going to still be celebrating Hanukkah. Hanukkah and Purim, which are the two holidays that are not in the Torah. They're not Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. They're not mandated by the Torah. They happen much after the Torah was written. But anyways, these are, these are messianic uh, holidays that are going to be kept in the times of Mashiach. So there's a beautiful Devar Torah given by Rabbi Benjamin Eisenberger, who is a, a Hagaon, a, a great rabbi, about uh, Hanukkah. And he says that the story of Hanukkah took place during the times of the Second Temple, the Second Beit HaMikdash. And we find, a, but nevertheless, we find a reference of Hanukkah uh, in the Torah. So he says that uh, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the Basuk that says, And Yaakov remained alone, and a man wrestled with him until the dawn. This was the last parasha in which Yaakov encountered the, the angel of Esav, and they had a, a, a struggle together. And he says that this Pasuk and Yaakov remained alone really gives much light and much uh, understanding to what means, uh, one of the meanings of Hanukkah. So he says here that this is alluded to, and Yaakov remained alone. He con contemplated what remained to be rectified in the decree of Greece, and this is the significance of Lekado, le for his job that the miracle will be performed to his children and they will light the Hanukkah Neiros. This is in Torah's Moshe. So, Yaakov, eh, when he was going to the land of Israel, he realized that he had left some jugs of oil behind, and he returned in the middle of the night, he crossed the Jordan to go and get these jugs. And this is when he encountered this, uh, this man, this man who was the angel of, of, it was an angel of God, but he was the angel that protected Esau, the brother of Yaakov, and they had a struggle. And, uh, and the struggle was not merely a personal experience, but rather a forerunner of historical significance, for this was an event that embodied the concept of, uh, of, uh, of uh, Yaakov being uh, alone, standing alone. So, we see here that after this struggle, Yaakov came out victorious. He won the, the battle. Nevertheless, the angel, he, um, he injured him in his, uh, in his sciatica. That's why Jewish people don't eat this, any part of the meat that comes from this nerve, the sciatica, uh, because of what happened between the angel and, and Yaakov. And we know that these jugs that uh, were so precious for Yaakov were actually the jugs that was uh, in the Beit HaMikdash at the time in which the Greeks came to contaminate the, the temple. And the, the jug that was saved, that was sealed by the Kohen Gadol, that was not touched, that was untouched. And with this 
oil, they were able to, to light the menorah and the miracle was that the lights shined for eight days with this amount of oil till they were able to produce new oil. They say that this uh, jug, this, this little uh, jug of oil that was preserved was that oil that Yaakov went to look for uh, at that time when he had the struggle with the angel. So just as Yaakov emerged victorious despite his injury at the hands of, of the angel of Asaph, as he's referred to, so will the Jewish people, call Israel, merit miracles, wonders, and salvations from the hands of Yavan. So Yavan was actually one of the grandsons of, uh, of Noah who became the Greek people. So the Greek people come from Yavan, and it's called Yavan. So it says that Hashem would make the same way that he made miracles for Yaakov, he would make miracles for the Jewish people at such a time. So uh, it says that, that, the, that Rashi explains, so to the culmination of our salvation from the Greeks on Hanukkah occurred when the Jews found one jug of oil that was sealed with the stamp of the Kohen Gadol. So this is the, 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 the connection between Yaakov, who this happened thousands of years before of, of, the, of the episode of Hanukkah, that he had fought with this angel. Eventually, this would be a rectification for the Jewish people at the time of the, of the Maccabees and the Hellenistic uh, uh, regime. So we see here that Yaakov's struggle and the incident of Hanukkah have this connection and uh, if we wish to marry the tremendous lights of, of uh, Hanukkah, if we wish to marry miracles and wonders because really all the blessings that God sends to us, most of them, sometimes he just sends us love but our merits, it's, it's, it, this is the way the system works, this is the way that Hashem created the world, he's created a system in which we have to earn what we get it's not a free ride. You know, today I see so many people, free school, free medicine, free, 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 everything. People have this mentality of free. And there's no such thing as free. If you're not paying for it, someone else is going to pay for it. It's, there's no such thing as free. And Hashem created a system in which He didn't want to give us bread of shame. Because a person who gets everything for free, and He never does anything to earn anything, his self-esteem is in the, in, the, in the floor. How can he feel good about himself if he's never been able to accomplish anything on his own? So we see here, the Rabbi Eisenberger says, if we wish to marry the tremendous light of Hanukkah, light of Hanukkah, if we wish to merit miracles and wonders in our lives, as in those days at that time, we must properly understand this connection between Yaakov and Hanukkah. So, Rab Yeruham Lebovitz in Das Torah explains that the Yetzer Hara, our evil inclination, which is represented by that angel of, uh, of Asaph, which is called the Tsar, uh, Asaph Tsar, who was the Sitra Ahra, the Sitra Ahra, uh, is also uh, something that Hashem creates, which comes from the other side. So everything that is holiness comes from His face, from the front. But Hashem has to create in these worlds things that He doesn't want to create. 
Not only he doesn't want to create them, but he hates them. And those things come from his back. But he has to create them, the Sitra Ahra, like the Yetzer Hara, our evil inclination, comes from the other side. He has to create them in order for us to be able to have free choice, free will. So a person can choose to either connect to Hashem or disconnect from Hashem. And if we don't have this, this duality in the world, then we will never be able to be free and free to choose. So we see here that the, that, that the Sitra Ahra, as, as it's called in Kabbalah, has no issue with a person being good most of the time. Your Yetzer Hara, your evil inclination, he wants you to be good. He doesn't want you to be bad. He wants you to be good. He's not bothered by the observance of Torah and mitzvot. He allows us to be good as long as we sometimes feel a void of emptiness within ourselves. This is the, and I talked about this in the parasha class this week, this thing of the empty, emptiness within, you know, so many people are trying to find and find and find and they're searching and they, they can have millions of dollars and the most beautiful car and the most beautiful house and the nicest wife and the most beautiful children, but there's a void within themselves. There's something that is missing. And so for them, he knows that he has, the Yetzirah knows that this is where he can attack. When a person is, has this void, that's when the Yetzirah takes control. So he can fill that void with, uh, with good things or bad things. So Hashem gives us the antidote. He gives us Torah and mitzvot. He gives us a Torah to learn and mitzvahs to do and prayer. When a person is busy with this lifestyle, he's not going to have that empty feeling. And Hashem has to create that empty feeling too so we, can, we would yearn to be close to Him. That's the whole purpose of it. But sometimes people yearn to be closer to other things that give them more uh, pleasure of, 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 in a material sense. So there is none like Hashem, but, who, but we see here that the Midrash draws a connection, I'm sorry, that was later made with this famous prayer, Enkelokeinu, where we say Enkelokeinu, no? Which means there is none like Hashem, but who is like Hashem? This is the, the prayer goes, there's none like Hashem. Who is like Hashem? Hashem, the Hashem of Yeshurun. Yeshurun is another name that was given to Yaakov. So Israel Sabbath, just as regarding, regarding Hashem, it states, and Hashem alone shall be exalted. So too regarding Yaakov, it states, and Yaakov remained alone. So this is something that we must understand. Hashem is alone. My husband always say, it's lonely at the top. God is alone. And at, in a certain way, um, Yaakov stood alone. And we're going to understand what this means. So Yeshayahu tells us that at the end of time, there will be no confusion as to the fact that there is only one God. Like today, many people, they believe there's a higher being, there's uh, forces of the universe, whatever they, you believe. But people, most people believe there's a God. There's someone bigger than us. There's something that is higher than us that we cannot really come to comprehend and that he created a world. But people don't understand the unity of God and that Hashem is really everything. Everything is God. There's no such thing as 
there's a God of good and a God of evil. That in Jewish uh, uh, thought or, or Torah, we don't say like the Satan, when we mention the Satan, it's not a separate entity from God. The Satan comes from the other side of God. This is what it means. So everything is Hashem. So it says that when Mashiach comes, we will come to understand that Hashem is everything. And it says that Yaakov, Yaakov was left levado, alone. And what does this mean? Rabbi Yerusham explains that Hashem created a world with deficiencies, a world in which we must ask us to mend these flaws, thereby creating the opportunities for His service. So God created an imperfect world. This is not a perfect world. There's people dying of hunger. There's hurricanes and volcanoes and you name it, uh, earthquakes. And we see good people and bad people, injustice. This is not a perfect world. And Hashem made it in such a way. This is the way He made it. But why did He make it this way? So we ourselves can come and be partners with Him and perfect the world. But also... He wants to make himself in our eyes seem as he needs us. In reality, Hashem doesn't need anything. He's finite. He was, he is, and he will be. He doesn't need the world. He doesn't need us. But he made the world so he can give kindness to something. Because he's all kindness. So if he doesn't create a world, where is he going to give his kindness? And what is his kindness to the world? He gives us the ability to perfect ourselves. This is, uh, this is from the Ramhal. He teaches us that Hashem wants the vehicles. He wants to give us the ability to connect to Him. And so in order for us to be able to connect to Hashem, He makes a whole system where there's mitzvot. Mitzvot means connect. Every time you do a mitzvah or you abstain from a negative mitzvah, you're connecting to your source. You're connecting to Hashem. You're having the vehicles. So in reality, however, we must not fool ourselves into thinking that Hashem is, is, is deficient in any way and that He needs us. But He makes us think that this is how it works. So it is clear that He did not require our deeds or efforts at all. The Creator of the world is independent and singular and does not require anything. In essence, He is alone. So in His essence, He is alone. It's lonely at the top. He's alone. And so with the creation of man, the Torah testifies, it is not good for man to be alone. And this is in Bereshit. And man needs company and companionship. We are not meant to be alone. We're meant to, to have a companion. Men should get married. They should have a wife. They should have someone to care for, to, to leave away their egocentrism and be able to give to someone else. So he cannot be alone. And Rashi explains this fundamental truth of man's existence based on the Midrash Bereshit as follows. It is not good for man to be alone. They should not say there are two authorities. Because if a man is alone, he will say, oh, I'm like God. I stand like God. Hashem is singular in the upper world and I'm singular in the lower world. So if man remains alone, there is a danger that he may equate himself to Hashem. So... What is the connection with Yaakov, that Yaakov stood alone? What does this mean and what does this have to do with Hanukkah? You must be asking, she's giving a sure on Hanukkah, but she's not talking about Hanukkah. So Yaakov's connection to Hashem was so strong that he did not need anything. When he encountered his brother and he brought gifts for him, 
and Esav give gives to Jacob, Esav said to him, I have a lot. So this is the mentality of a person that says, yes, I have so much, but I can always have something more. But Jacob said to his brother, I have everything. He was complete. He felt inside of him that he didn't miss anything. He was full of God. This was it meant. He was full of Hashem and he had no deficiencies that required feeling or satisfying. His service of God and his connection to God, his devakos, his cleaving to God was so great that he lacked nothing in this world and Jacob was the exception. So who had overcome the human limitations and frailties that prevent one from attaining fulfillment as a single individual, Yaakov was alone. He had attained that fullness, that, that we all have that void within ourselves that we're trying to fill with something. Yaakov had acquired the fullness because he was completely attached to Hashem. And he rose to a level where he was a reflection of God, so to speak, he too was Levado. So the connection with Hanukkah is that Klal Israel are also described as alone. We're not a people that are that stand with everybody else. We stand on the other side. Abraham Avinu, he he was on the other side of the river. The Yehudi, it means he's on the other side of the Ibrit, he's on the other side of the river. We don't merge with the world. This is what it means with the Jew. The Jew is alone. Alone. And, and the sad part is that so many Jewish people don't get this. They don't understand. They want to merge with everybody else. They want to be like everybody else. They don't want to stand out from other people. They don't want the other people to say, oh, that's a Jew. So they dress like the rest of the world. They act like the rest of the world. They eat like the rest of the world. But in our essence, this is not a Jew. And we have to internalize this concept and we have to understand that we are not meant to be like everybody else. It doesn't mean we're better. It doesn't mean they're worse. It doesn't mean they're better. It doesn't mean we're worse. It means that we are a separate entity. We're something separate from the rest of the world. We have a mission. We have a, 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 a purpose. We are Hashem's chosen people, not because He chose us because we're better than everybody else. He chose us to be the representation of God in this world. That's why we were given the Torah. That's why we have to keep 613 mitzvot. This is why we stand separate from the rest of the world. We, don't, we should not be going and eating non-kosher food. We should not be drinking non-kosher wine. We should not be mingling with the rest of the world because we are meant to stand separate and alone because we represent God in this world. We represent morality. We represent ethics. We represent the true way of life, a, way, a, a, a life in which you take care of other people, you, you, you care about other people, you, you, you care about Hashem, you care about the world. And this is a light unto the nations. That's our job. And the world keeps reminding us this. It keeps reminding us. And so we have all this since uh, who knows when. And in Hanukkah is the same story. They wanted to annihilate this part of us. They wanted us to assimilate to them. They, they were fine with you being a Jew, but they didn't want you to stand separate from them. You wanted to be just like them. 
And so we see here that uh, the, the Greeks cannot tolerate this idea. They cannot tolerate that a Jew is separate from the rest of the world. And, and the, 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 the Greeks had wisdom among, amongst themselves. They were very intelligent people. They were learned, they were, they were cultured. But at the end of the day, they wanted the Jews to keep the Torah just as they kept every other information that came into their heads. They didn't want the Jew to have that supra-rational connection to Hashem, where he understands that he is here in this world with a purpose, with meaning, to bring the world to the ultimate redemption. And at the end of the day, this is what the connection with Yaakov and that jug of, of oil and Hanukkah comes to be. Because at the end of the day, when Hanukkah came and the miracle happened with that oil burning for eight days, that should have only burned for one day. And that was the miracle. This is what we celebrate. We celebrate that miracle. And when you sit on Thursday night to look at your menorah, to look at your light, at your lighting, you're adding every day an extra light until the eighth night, your whole menorah should be full of lights. The mitzvah of Hanukkah is not a festive meal like other uh, our holidays. We don't have a seuda in Hanukkah. Yes, we eat latkes and we eat sufganiyots and we, have, we invite people over, but the true mitzvah of Hanukkah, and I imagine many people are going to be alone this Hanukkah, it is to sit for half an hour and look at the light. Look at the light. Look at the, at the, at the oil burning the, the flame and look at the light. Because this light really is that, it's a piece of that light that Hashem created on the first day of creation and He put it away for the times of Mashiach. And when we look at that light, we realign our vision of why we are here. What's our purpose in this world? Why we are in this world? And that we should always remember that as Jewish people, we all have the same responsibility towards the whole world. It's our job. And maybe the world is screaming at us, no, no, be like us, come be like us. But in reality, remember this. Look at that light. Remember why you're here. And that light should go within yourself that give you the power and the strength to continue being a levado. Like Yaakov, stand by yourself, you're a Jew. And be proud, be a proud Jew. Because it's something to be proud of. And, 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 and you're helping other people. It's not for us alone. It's not only for us, it's for the whole world. And when you internalize that and that light sh shines within you, then you're going to be able to shine that light out to the world. Just as in the Beit HaMikdash, the menorah was lit inside so the light would come out to the world and illuminate the world, the whole world. We ourselves, each one of us, is like a menorah. So I want to wish you a beautiful Hatzameah, beautiful Hanukkah, that the joy of Hanukkah should be with you the whole year. And uh, remember, live a little higher. Thank you.